Well, it's good that we are, like, <laughs> just getting into it, because it adds to, you know. <laughs> the charm of the podcast, Yeah. Right? <laughs> well, I actually just started it, so that's good. It adds to the, to the you know, to the conversation. Okay. Um, <laughs> all right. Uh, what's going on, everyone? Welcome to Guiding Lights, the beacons for mental wellness independent podcast at UMass Boston, where combating hidden wounds for college students and amplifying mental health awareness is our direct mission. Today, we're going to be discussing anxiety from generalized to social to even competitive, and that will be followed up by coping mechanisms for anxiety and mindfulness strategies. I'm one of your co-hosts, Alice Gonzalez, here with Sahara Rose, and our very special guest today, Associate Professor of Psychology in the College of Liberal Arts, Dr. Sarah Hayes Skelton. Thank you so much for participating. Uh, Shout out to our other co-hosts, Laura Baptista and Brianna Ward, who could not be here today. You're both missed. Uh, But with that being said, we should get started. Um, all right, so Sarah, could you please give us a brief description of yourself uh, in terms of the work that you're doing now and what you've researched in the past? Oh, that's a great question. First of all, thank you so much for um, putting this podcast together and for doing this, uh, both Alex and Sahara and the rest of your team. I feel very honored to be part of this. Um, I've been on this campus um, since 2007, first as a postdoctoral fellow and then as a professor. And I love this campus very much and I always say I'm one of the people who took my job knowing full well what the job was because I'd already been there and I couldn't imagine being anywhere else and so my work has has always been I've been really interested in how do we treat and prevent anxiety disorders anxiety is so common as we were all kind of joking yeah. about before <laughs> we started this like, we all have anxiety a lot of my work um, focuses on social anxiety and when I just send out surveys to the campus in general over half of the campus campus like has elevated social anxiety so it's something very common yeah. it also comes up a lot in um, college populations mm-hmm. for varieties and so it's like it's really nice to do it here um, on this campus I got really interested in the work um, in college in my normal psych class and we had a guest speaker talk about exposure therapies for OCD and she talked about taking patients to the hospital and touching all the things to help them overcome their anxiety. And I was like, I want to do that. Oh my <laughs> that God. is part of what started me on this journey. Wow. I mean, as you can see, my facial... Well, you can't yeah. see, but my facial expression when you said that, as someone who has OCD and anxiety, right. it's like, oh my God, that, that was, when people start touching things oh God, and like, yeah, like, it got it got me, you know, a reaction out of me. Yeah. It's like a really t- a big topic that we should talk yeah. about. Yeah. Um, it's very important. Um, so based on your experience and your expertise, to define what anxiety is, what is, you know, generalized anxiety and social anxiety? Yeah. Anxiety in general is the worry, the anticipation, the rumination of a feared situation or event. And so for um, anxiety like social anxiety, that's that's um, anticipation or fear of a social situation. It's usually about um, fear of negative evaluations or how you're going to be judged or come across to others. Um, generalized anxiety is more kind of worry and rumination about things that could happen in the future. Um, and by definition, it's general. It's pretty wide. And the two overlap a lot that are kind of distinct. Awesome. And I did not know this was a thing, but I was looking up so that I understand what anxiety was. Uh, competitive anxiety? I'm mm-hmm. not sure. Are you familiar with that by any chance? Um, say a little bit more about what you've... Uh, so I know it's like for athletes in particular, kind of like performance anxiety. Yeah. But I'm not entirely sure like 
if that was even a thing because I never knew about that. So yeah. is that something that you've been familiar with in the past? It's not a term I know, but mm -hmm. I think the idea that I think everything about sport is performance. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so I think in that way, I, I really do think that anxiety is really embedded in sport both from the ways that I think of when people say, like, they're in the zone. I mm -hmm. think that's actually modern anxiety. Yeah, that's and, true. Uh, that, they're, that they're related. Yeah. <laughs> All right. <laughs> so, knowing that you have experience as an associate professor, how can anxiety affect a student in the classroom? I ask this as a student. I think has anxiety in yeah. the classroom. <laughs> I should say both as a professor, I also supervise in the counseling center, so oh, I also nice. work with a lot of students um, from that perspective as well. Anxiety is everywhere in the, in the mm -hmm. classroom. If you think of so much of anxiety as about really caring about what you're doing, then if you like you want to do well, then of course you're worried about what it's going to be like, yeah. what you're going, how your performance is going to be, and what your grades are going to be. Um, it it really comes up in a lot of different ways. And so there are things like um, being in class and being so preoccupied with worries, either about class or, or the rest of life, that you can't focus on what is being said, and so missing kind of what is being said, or not being able to focus on studying because of every all the worries that are that are coming up. Um, sometimes when you're worrying a lot, you then procrastinate. And yeah. So you end up <laughs> yeah. in that period, in that period yes. right? I My mean, favorite cycle. I know, and it's so fun. And part of the trick about anxiety is that it's really reinforced for you to avoid things in, mm -hmm. in initial. So it, you reduce anxiety by then procrastinating and not studying. But then in the long run, you then don't study, and then it accelerates the anxiety. It makes it worse, and you end up in that. I'm in that cycle as yeah. well. No, no. Well, most people are. I mean, like, let's also let's just be clear. I mean, that this is very common. Both, I think, particularly with social and generalized anxiety, we talk about the disorder level, which is where it reaches what I would call clinically significant, which is where it's causing like significant interference and distress. But it's also on a very um, wide continuum, and so even if you may not have a disorder of an anxiety, it's still probably affecting you in the classroom, and also. Um, for some people, it makes it really hard to sit in a classroom because you're worried about what, like, what is it I need to leave or what are, you know, kind of what are people um, thinking about me? Do I feel trapped? I think sometimes it also gets in the way of reaching out to professors um, and classmates. And so then you're missing out on some of the other kind of incidental educational opportunities, if you will, because it's harder to then engage and, and kind of deepen learning. Yeah, that's, I totally feel that. I'm like yeah. profusely sweating, but I it just shows that even in a classroom, I'm like constantly sweating because you never exactly. know what's gonna happen. Exactly. I'm constantly like shaking my leg because I don't know oh, what's. Yeah, the leg bounce. Yeah, the leg, and then I have this like rolly ring that yeah. I like use to calm me down. Do you yeah. see me? Like I usually have three more on. And I'm like nonstop. I can like, like I have to do something like, to. Right, the rings are good. I often play with keys or one of my or yeah. anything that's on my desk you can see like, yeah like and there's an intensity to that too like if you see that i'm like i'm not shaking my leg right now yeah. which is good because i'm calm but like if i'm like intensely shaking my leg that's you know it's like okay, yeah. there's something wrong and that's like a, a key i have my friends now they're very attentive to like what i do and like just my actions because they know that i have anxiety so it's like i i was in a musical the other day and one of my friends was like 
what's wrong? I know you're shaking your leg and I, I can tell that we're in a big place in a theater with like so many people and like the lights were down. So it's just like that. But in even when there's like lights on and in a classroom where there's like 10 of us, it's just like constant worrying yeah. and constant. And I think what you're saying is one of the things that I really find fascinating about anxiety is that it's not related to performance at mm -hmm. all. And so you have, you know, so it is not related to, I mean, I think it can affect performance in the classroom. I don't yeah. want to let go. But that it has nothing to do with, if you talk about sports performance or being in a musical, um, some of your best actors, some of your best athletes have very significant anxiety. And mm -hmm. so it, it, it doesn't actually oh, have to impede what you're actually doing, even though you feel... Yeah, <laughs> it's like really bad. Um, I totally understand that. So as, you know, people that do have anxiety in the classroom setting, like what can be done from like a professor standpoint yeah. to like address that? I think that there's um, a few different things that can be done. I think one of them is at least like when I teach a class, I try to always create an atmosphere of sort of empathy, understanding, lightheartedness, mm -hmm. kind of like we're doing now, yeah. you know, so that it feels more conversational, so people feel more engaged. I talk about anxiety, like my own anxiety, but also like I use mm -hmm. we, like all the time, like we are anxious, <laughs> we are, because uh, it's yeah. true, we all do feel this, and so then again, that allows more people to, to talk about the anxiety. Um, I also think a lot about the kinds of situations in the classroom that are particularly difficult for people with anxiety. I think a lot about um, being called on in class or being asked <laughs> to raise your hand. And, and I think so often our kind of traditional like educational systems depend on that and yeah. that is the flavor of how you integrate it how you interact more um, with the material. So I often do things like I have people write down their responses before people speak mm. that allows that often then allows people with some anxiety to speak when they would never have raised their hand yeah. but then even if you're not speaking you're still having the exercise of answering the question so those are some of the things that I do one of the other things that I'll do and I don't know how you guys are going to feel about this but I um I still make people do some sort of speaking presentation mm. something because I really believe that practice mm. is what helps with anxiety and so I actually get really frustrated when people say, I got out of having to do a presentation because of my anxiety, uh, because I think you then never mm -hmm. learn that it's going to be okay. Yeah. So I do that with the promise of helping people. Got like, it. Like, <laughs> <laughs> kind of create an avenue. But I think part of it is also um, continuing to think about how are we supporting learning and what is important. Yeah. Um, it's interesting that you mentioned that, because I actually had a class the other day where I had to present it just gave me horrible, horrible anxiety to the point where I was gonna tell my teacher, like, I knew she would understand if I was like, I don't want to get up there and do it, but like, my entire life, like, my mom or like, my professor, my teachers have always just been like, there wasn't really an option for me, right. mm -hmm. it was just like, you have to do this, right. so I, like, I had to get up there and do it, and I don't remember it, I think I blacked out, totally. but like, I did it, <laughs> and everybody was like, oh, great job, but like, I just like, like getting there was mm -hmm. right. it was just so hard but like I'm really glad that like Exactly. It's like I had to do it. And you're, yeah. you're, exactly, you're exactly describing like the anxiety cycle of you spend so much time anticipating it and yeah. worrying it. And can, can you leave? I remember the first time I had a TA, TA class in grad school, I was pacing the basement trying to figure out if there was any way I didn't have to go. You know, like it's, <laughs> well, yeah. And yet, when you actually do it, because it's not usually associated with performance, you usually realize it was fine. Your worst case situation didn't happen. 
yeah. you're probably worried that you would like make a fool of yourself or mm-hmm. someone would laugh at you or you'd be a blumbering idiot like those are the most yeah. common like <laughs> there's others but like and, and most of the time those things aren't don't happen and so then by doing it you get new information that maybe it wasn't as bad that if you started to practice it more it would get easier part of the problem with presentations is you only do a couple times this and then, you know so you don't always get that when you learn um, and just to say I still blank out when I give talks I like I won't like after I do this people will ask like how was it I'm like um, I, it's gone <laughs> so and I just know that about myself and know that I just trust that people will let me know if it wasn't yeah. okay but I can't evaluate it in the moment I agree with that I'm on the same wavelength as that but as someone who has a class with me, I love to raise my hand. I love to participate. But then, like, when I'm speaking, like, after the spotlight is on me, that's when I start to, like, yeah. black out. Because yes. I'm like, oh, my God, I need to say this before anyone else says it. Yeah. Because I don't want to lose it. Because I only practice this. Exactly. So it's like, <laughs> I go for it. But yeah. then when I, like, when I, that spotlight is on me, that's when I start to, like, oh, my God, I don't know what to say. Hopefully I'm not stu- I stutter a lot. Yeah. I do. But... I do it with like a positive energy like I do it in like a if I mess up oh well I still like laugh but I mean I still start sweating (laughs) it's like you just see like a strip of sweat it's bad but it's like that's my reality you know it's the reality of of a lot of people Mm -hmm. Um, and you're speaking of that with very much of an acceptance based technique which is or mind frame which is really helpful Mm -hmm. because we all are most people are going to feel anxious in these situations so it's not like the goal isn't to not feel anxious it's about how can you still do what you want to be doing mm-hmm. and then eventually like some of the anxiety may decrease but not completely and I think part of it for me like when I'm actually speaking it's using some of those mindfulness skills of when you notice your mind wandering bringing it back to what you're saying yeah. or if you find yourself being like oh no I'm stuttering being like okay so I'm stuttering now bring it back to what I'm saying rather than getting stuck on oh no I'm stuttering what's going to happen now yeah. what is everyone thinking about me and I think laughing and joking about it can kind of rewrite the ship, if you will. You know, like I think there's a way that it just makes it that easier. Has, yeah. That's been my savior, honestly, for a lot of social anxiety. It's just like like instead of just being like, Oh my god, like everyone's looking at me because I'm two minutes late, like just be like, Yep, you're two minutes late. Everyone is mm-hmm. looking at you, but and, and they're probably like, saying at least it's not me. Yeah. Exactly. Like, <laughs> yeah. This is this is your boat. Oh, exactly. <laughs> well, your jacket is also exactly. I also try to you know compensate with the clothing, <laughs> so I have a nice ear adjustment jacket that everyone will notice, so I know that when they're staring at me, it's because of the jacket. Yeah. So, and not because I'm two minutes late. And so reinterpreting it, right? Yeah. Like reinterpreting it that we don't know that it's like our feared like situation that's happening. Yeah. It's like because of the jacket, I love that. That's great. Yeah. <laughs> And it's great. So people forget about you being late. They're just like, oh my god, that's a nice jacket. Like, where'd you get it from? It's like a a whole different situation. (laughs) Which is awesome. Something to describe. (laughs) Um, All right. So as an associate professor, um, are symptoms of anxiety always visible? Uh, And if they are, what are those symptoms? Yeah, they are definitely not always visible. Like, my guess is that you wouldn't know that each other is as anxious as you're now talking about. (laughs) (laughs) And that is, like, we often use sort of the saying that I'm always going to mess up, so just bear with me. Um, It's really a problem to judge other people's insides. No, sorry. Judge your insides (laughs) by other people's outsides. So the thing with anxiety is we really feel it really deeply inside. Sometimes in our body, sometimes in our head, sometimes in all of it. But we often don't see it in other people. 
people, and so we think everyone else has it together, and that we're the only one feeling like that, but there are many people feeling like that inside. And so, particularly with social anxiety and GAD, you really often don't see it, although I would say the same thing is true with panic. Like, so people think, particularly with panic attacks, that it's so huge and so large. Yeah. And I've sat with clients, like just the two of us in a room talking about panic, and I found out afterwards that they were having a panic attack, and I couldn't, and I didn't know, even know the same. And so there are definitely physical signs of anxiety. Mm-hmm. We talked about the legs shaking, yeah. and blushing is kind of a common one, or sweating. But even sweating, you often don't see. Yeah. Like, I mean, it depends, you know. <laughs> Heart racing, again, you don't often see it. I mean, stuttering, mind going blank, yeah, sometimes you notice that, but people stutter. Like, you, you are way more aware of how much you're studying or stuttering than other people do. Like, I don't know if people have noticed how many times I've stuttered this walk. Like, you could do a count afterwards. <laughs> yeah, you don't even notice. Yeah, exactly. you don't even notice. Like, <laughs> you're in the moment and you don't pay attention right. to it. Right, and so yeah. I, think, I think it's true that um, it's just not as aware. I mean, I think because I study anxiety, I think I sometimes pick up on more subtle things, but it's often sort of what people are saying. But honestly, I just assume everyone's anxious. That's a great thing to, like, live by. Honestly, um, I, I've started kind of doing that, just with the big, the big sad yeah. depression, because I'm just, my whole reality is just, you have a chemical imbalance, and it's going to be like that, so. But it's just, it's weirdly comforting, like, as mm-hmm. a thought, just to, like, be like, yeah, maybe ever like a lot of other people are also living like this, and this is their reality too. Like, right? That's true. I've been watching a lot of High School Musical. Me too. I have Disney Plus. So. Same. <laughs> what well, it, it helps, you know, when you find something that you like really like, and you're just like in that like space where you're not thinking about like what's gonna happen tomorrow or what's gonna happen in this class or like in the future, and just keeping yourself occupied. I feel like is a big thing. I mean, keeping yourself occupied, but keeping yourself occupied with things that matter. So yeah. this happens a lot with generalized anxiety disorder is people don't want to sit with their anxiety, mm-hmm. so they keep themselves super busy. Like, they're often the most busiest people because mm-hmm. it's, it's easier than sort of sitting with it. So one of the things we often talk about is really paying attention to what makes your life fulfilling yeah. and engaging in those things. So, like, clearly, watching High School Musical is feeling fulfilling. It's, like, helping to normalize your experience. Like, I'm all for that. You know, or, like, being engaged and, like, being in the musical or things. Like, mm-hmm. like, that is clearly fulfilling. But also paying attention to, then, what are the things you're doing to keep yourself busy that don't feel yeah. fulfilling. Which, you know, yeah. we can all name what those things are. Yeah. <laughs> I don't. I, like, I'm on a different side of that. Like, I constantly do homework I feel like to you're keep on myself... The other- and yeah, I'm on the other end. No, but that can also be avoidance, right? It's, <laughs> but it's like, I, I'm also a perfectionist. Right. So it's like, I don't do anything else other than do homework. Like, right. I, got, I went to Maine, like, last weekend, and that was the one time that I actually went to do something on a weekend outside of doing homework. Right. So... We're going to be good influences. Yeah. No, exactly. We are. I'm the opposite. I do, that. <laughs> I do way too much, and don't do homework and i need to be just like that i can just put it off i can just put it off i can just put it off but then it just like stays in my mind right like like probably like right here just like in loops Mm -hmm. and i keep procrastinating it and not doing it and the easy solution is to just do it and then i don't have to think about it so that it won't give me anxiety but no i'm just gonna put it off that's what i do but then i have that like anxious feeling of, of like okay it's in 
but what's the outcome going to be? Like, what grade am I going to get? <laughs> you know, is it going to be worth it? Like, all this stress that they can't see, but that I put, you know, so much hard work into this, is it going to pay off or is it not? So it's like a constant, it's just a cycle. It's it a continues cycle. and then it goes on to the next <laughs> semester. And, then, and everyone's cycle is different. And then yeah. you suddenly have, like, the break. Not usually, oh like, this upcoming long <laughs> yeah. weekend. It's not really long enough. But, yeah. like, whenever the semester ends, the first couple of weeks are really hard for me. I've just, like, wait, I've been so busy. How mm-hmm. do I engage? Or I've been, like, mm-hmm. and just how do you then recalibrate? That's true. And then I feel like I have, I'm have i missing something, that I have something yeah. else to do. Like, oh, my God, is there a due date that I didn't that's, know about? Yeah, that's something. <laughs> I feel like during break, it's always, like, what am I missing? Mm-hmm. What's not here? Yeah, Should that's I check true. my email again? Right. And so that part of it is, like, trying to figure out from an anxiety standpoint, what is the appropriate amount of checking? Like, what is the amount what of... Is exactly. <laughs> like, what is the amount that you don't miss things? I mean, let's be clear. We all know people who should check their email more. Yeah. And then, <laughs> and then also, what is then too much checking and is then, like, avoidance and, and like, that sort of thing. I need to learn that because yeah. that's one of the things that I do. I check, I count, you know, everything right. for OCD. No, exactly. You know, it's a part of it is fun rather than, like, figuring out what, rather, like, figuring out, like, what is, how much time of my life do I want to invest in this? What are the consequences of checking too much or not checking enough and, and paying attention and adjusting? And then basing your decisions on those things rather than the anxious voices that is like, but I checked, but I only checked 15 minutes ago. Or I don't want to check because I don't want to know what's there, you know? That's just, yeah, it's hard. But with that being said, how does a person cope with anxiety? many different ways. I want to put in a plug for um, therapy and the counseling center here, mm-hmm. um, or therapy in general. We um, Anxiety disorders is sort of the area that the most research has been in, and so we have treatments that really do help people turn down the anxiety di- um, dials. So part of how I ended up in this field is like mm-hmm. we have treatments that work and we like that. Um, but there's also a ton of things that, um, that are just little things that, that you can kind of be doing on the side or if your anxiety is sort of not quite high enough. Yeah. Um, for therapy some of those is remembering it's really simple but just remember that anxiety is normal (laughs) this isn't something to be like to be feared or to be problematic I want to be careful not to minimize people who have really significant anxiety Mm -hmm. um because because there is a place that it can get really disruptive in your life but uh, but for many people many people on this campus anxiety is typical it's a sign that you care about what you're doing it's a sign that you care about what your professors are going to think about you and so the more we can kind of befriend it um, sort of like Alex was saying, sort of like making, like kind of making it lighter, kind of working yeah. with it, can be really helpful. Um, like I said, that's a, like a small thing. I don't think that's going to cure people's anxiety, yeah. but, it's, um, but it's a start. Some of it are using mindfulness t- techniques, like really trying to be in the moment. Mm-hmm. So you can either practice this through meditation, like the groups on campus, like the Koru um, mindfulness group, mm-hmm. but you can also find a ton of mindfulness apps and situations and um, situations are whatever came from. <laughs> um, tools um, but any sort of just sort of noticing where your mind is going and seeing if you can gently be, bring it back and I, I really mean gently so the idea of mindfulness is just being aware of everything around us and starting to see if we can um, 
allow some of our more negative thoughts to just sort of float by. So not to get rid of them. Pushing them away doesn't work. They come back stronger. Yeah. But sort of allowing them to be there and then refocus on sort of what you want to focus on. I had this phenomenal um, client one time who talked about it as sort of being in an art museum or being like in a hallway in a classroom. And sometimes it feels like your anxiety, like you're standing right up at the, pa- at the painting and all you can see is the anxiety right in front of you. And that part of what you're trying to do is just walk down the hall so that you can see everything else on the wall. And so that like takes some effort and takes some practice, but even just that idea of like, can I see the full perspective? Yeah. Can I think that it's not just people laughing at me or looking at me because I walked in late, but they're looking at me because of my new cool coat. You know, yeah. like that's an example of that, of sort of, can you both hold that people are looking at you, but then see um, a broader perspective on it. Um, I think there are cognitive strategies, like saying things, like asking yourself questions, like what's the worst that's gonna happen? So, and what is the chances that that's really going to happen? <laughs> and, and could I cope with it if it could happen? Like, so I think often in the classroom, we're afraid that people are going to laugh at us and we're going to run out of the room screaming <laughs> or fall on the floor fainting or, you know, like those are often the fears. And, and those, sometimes those people have had those experiences, but usually, usually not. And so then actually answering those questions, well, chances are those things aren't going to happen. Yeah. And so sometimes that can be helpful. That can get a little tricky if they are experiences you've had. Um, and so particularly um, with um, with students of color who say, Pe- people are gonna make microaggressions against me if I start speaking um, the paper I've prepared, that may happen. And so I'm not saying to say that won't, like to, to convince yourself it won't happen. I think that's sometimes when you have to say that, but the acceptance for more, does that really mean that what you have to say is invalid? Um, you know, it's, yeah, it's a. Uh, I feel like that's easier said than done for me because yeah. it's like I try to download those apps where they're like, take a deep breath and right. just like be calm and like center yourself. Right. But I have so many intrusive thoughts that exactly. just like come up and it's just so hard for me. I think that it's really hard. And this is where like I have a love hate relationship with some of mm-hmm. these like quick things. Yeah. Because they both can be helpful, but then I worry that it also makes it feel like if it didn't work right away, then like there's something wrong with me that it didn't work. Which is why sometimes therapy can be helpful, or if you are using kind of quick apps or meditation or breathing, I often suggest that you first start doing them when you're already feeling calm. Like I think of like deep breathing or mindfulness as it will turn like your anxiety down maybe five or ten percent, and so they work best if you're noticing it when you're just a little anxious, yeah. rather than when you're in the middle of it. Like it's not going to make a difference. When it's like... So. Um... On that, I actually went on Pinterest uh, so long ago, but I found this like breathing technique, and I never like used the mindfulness apps or mm-hmm. any of that. But um, the way it explained it made a lot of sense for me, and like as a nursing major, I was just like, okay, yeah, I like this. But it was like um, four, seven, eight breathing. So you breathe in for four, hold it for seven, and then breathe out. For eight and it's um like a it takes your body from because anxiety is like a fight or flight response so it literally just it when you're doing that it triggers the like not anxiety response so you calm like your body calms itself back down like your parasympathetic nervous system is calming down and just like doing that before i like like when I wake up in the morning and like get ready for my day and like before I go to school like I'll do that for like 
maybe like three to five minutes yeah. and it like honestly has really helped more than like an app or anything and I just do it every day and it's just like I agree. Yeah, I mean, I think good. that's sort of, I mean, particularly like slowing down your breathing <clears throat> and also making sure you're breathing from your diaphragm yeah. and not your chest mm -hmm. yeah. um, is sort of another um, kind of uh, piece of that. And again, I think doing it in the morning when you're feeling yeah. maybe not your most anxious. I don't want to say you're calm in the morning, but like, you know, kind it's of doing like it on a routine. My, yeah, like my calm morning routine before my day's about to get anxious. So I have that <laughs> beginning, like, right. I have to go get on the shuttle. Soon anxiety. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yes. <laughs> you know, no, exactly. that I'm going to start profusely sweating anxiety. Mm -hmm. and, and I think with all of these, you can get really caught in, like, what is the form? Like, what yeah. is the right app? What is the right... Instead of kind of thinking about what is the function or what are you trying to do. So some of it is, like, switching um, your sympathetic response by slowing down your breathing can be really helpful. I think building I think a lot of these um, exercises help to build some self-compassion. So just noticing that, like, this is what our brains do. This is part of being human. And, you know, so I think anytime you can kind of have, have that piece in it. And I think that some of the mindfulness apps are also helping you kind of notice where your thoughts are going and then bringing your attention back. And I think that that concept is really helpful. And it can get then really rigidly done of, like, no, what is wrong with me? What do what, I have to yeah. bring my brain back? And so, like, for me, it has to be compared with some of that compassion because our minds are going to wander. That's like, because we are thinkers. <laughs> like, you actually like, true. wouldn't be in college if you didn't have a lot of thoughts. And, lot. Yeah. <laughs> and so, you know, so, and so you're, so what they often say is mindfulness is noticing that your mind wanders a hundred times and bringing it back a hundred and one. And so it is not having a calm mind. It is not having like peacefulness. It's just sort of developing some sort of is not for everyone. You know, everyone has different Yeah. I agree. Um, so, I've also heard that, like, physical activity or sports can, you know, help your physical, you know, but it can also work for, like, mental health. Mm -hmm. So, is that something that you would, like, recommend, or... I mean, I, would... I, mean, I think we could use more exercise. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think, like, everything, I'm always like, what is the function and how does it fit? I think there's also a way to then have over-exercise be part of your anxiety management, mm -hmm. and you want to, like, watch for that, too. But I definitely think the more healthy, the more fit our body is, the more, like, we feel like we're doing the things that we need to to be taking care of ourselves, the easier it is to cope with whatever kind of anxious thoughts we are having. And I think, you know, it's always a tough balance between... Mm -hmm. is, is is exercise avoidance yeah. or is it helpful <laughs> that's true yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah but in general I'm pro exercise <laughs> I need to get on that wave yeah. <laughs> because I'm not yeah, no. I mean I feel like that can for me personally I feel like that can cause a dramatic change Yeah. but you know it's motivation that's also right. the thing that I don't have yet yeah, exactly. but. I mean exercise and sleep and, and for and me so, they're yeah. often related I mean I think for me another one of the benefits of exercise is it helps with sleep yeah, and sleep then also reduces our reactivity to our emotions, helps reduce our anxiety. Particularly if you're having, if your anxiety is keeping you from sleeping a lot. Yeah. So, I need that. I think that's the, one of the only motivating, like, I mean, there's a couple, but motivating factors for me to exercise is, like, it really does help with my sleep, which then means I'm not sitting up all night thinking mm -hmm. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> so that's if, great. You can, if your body can be tired enough that yeah. you like go to sleep a little yeah. bit easier. that's true 
it's I'm so sick of like having a two to three a.m. just like staring at the ceiling, just like thinking so much about everything in my future. I feel like it's also I think so much about what's gonna happen in like the next two three years. Like now that I have my classes, it's it's always thing. It's like a thing. Like those questions that are like, where do you see yourself in five or ten years? Then I plan it out, but then I'm like it's not coming fast enough because it's like I have all of this written down like this is what I want to do but why is it not happening yeah, I'm like why am I not there yet <laughs> exactly right. so now we're talking about GAD yeah. <laughs> <laughs> me yeah. and I think this happens a lot particularly this time of year for graduating seniors mm-hmm. and, other, and everyone's asking you what are you doing next and sometimes you know and sometimes you don't know and I think some of it is spending some time and this is really hard in the middle of the semester so maybe this is a right project you know really thinking about what matters to you not necessarily like getting to grad school, but like why why would you want to? Like what is it about going to grad school that would feel fulfilling to you? Or what is it about what kinds of jobs would feel fulfilling? And that can be things like working with people. Yeah. You know, I'm not saying like having this specific job, but thinking more of like what is the larger kind of category of thing that feels meaningful and that you could then find a bunch of different ways in and trusting like the process. And so I think as you start to have a sense of what are what are the things that are going to make my life feel meaningful then it's easier to say when you're worrying about things like no these are the things I'm doing now that are getting me like in that direction even if it's not studying for blah 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 you know but (laughs) (laughs) it's like being here and being in school as part of that journey yeah I totally agree with that um so with that being said as you know people that kind of need (laughs) help with you know anxiety and like continuing on with that um what would you recommend someone who's like struggling or is like not to the point where it's extreme but you know just like a little uh here and there like what would you recommend someone um who's struggling with anxiety do as a way to like help um kind of like an initial like entering because you know some people don't want to go to counseling um some people try to like look at the internet and see what they can do um so yeah yeah i mean i think it's really tricky because I think there's, you know, anything with the internet, there's a lot of good information mm-hmm. and a lot of not so good information. So I think looking for, you know, as you do anytime you search the internet, looking for what are credible sources and signs of credibility. The Anxiety and Depression um, Association of America, so ADAA, ADAA.org, has, um, has a major section of their website designed for what they call consumers. And so for people coming in looking for tips, looking for help, looking for kind of, I think part of what you're talking about is sort of it's a clearinghouse for different yeah. kinds of information. And so specifically for anxiety, that's a really um, good place to start. Um, my colleague, the chair of our psychology department, was Liz Romer, and her colleague at Suffolk, Sura Soro, have a great book out called Mindful Way Through Anxiety. Um, their website is Mindful Way Through Anxiety, the book. Um, <laughs> um, I was on it the other day, yeah. so I think yeah. that's right. And they, and they have some different exercises on there as well as some links to some other mm-hmm. information. And so those are those are other good places to start. Um, there's a range of self-help books out there. Um, look at them if they you know pay a little attention to where the people are coming from and what their degrees are. And like I don't yeah. mean that in like the gross way, but there are books out there that are not written by mental health providers mm-hmm. that. Um, it's worth paying attention to um and if it resonates with you keep reading and if it doesn't there are many other approaches so give things a try but if what it is isn't working then that doesn't mean nothing is gonna work that's true 
I definitely need to do that. Yeah. So I'm gonna keep looking yeah, into that because I've I've looked at the the book and like the exercises. Mm-hmm. Um, they've some of them have helped me. I don't exactly know them by name, um, but it's still like I said, it's kind of difficult yeah. for me to get into it. So I have to like constantly replay it to be like, okay, try to get yourself into the right mindset. But I try to listen to music before I you know do that, yeah. so it like you know calms me down. Um, but that's something I'm gonna look forward to. Uh, so thank you for you know giving us that, that big spiel yes. on that. Um, so with that being said, thank you so much. Um, that I actually before we end this, I just had a quick question. Mm-hmm. Do you have any specific resources aside from um, counseling, the counseling center, and mm-hmm. maybe like core core mm-hmm. um, mindfulness that you would recommend people like? people i think don't realize it's free you pay for it already in your health so you're already paying for it would be the other way to say that (laughs) and it's good because that you have like a consultation and you just whether you want to keep going or not it's good to have that initial like conversation and see if that's something you want to keep going and they often refer people then to some of these other groups and and you don't have to like be in severe distress for counseling like i often Mm -hmm. think like we would be a much better society if we thought of mental health care as preventative like we think of physical health care. I mean, we can argue whether we think about physical health care. I mean, as a nursing student, we can have that conversation. But I think, but I think really thinking that sometimes like mental health care and going to therapy can just be preventative care. It doesn't yeah. mean that yeah. like, you have to be in crisis. Yeah, I think that shift in mentality would be really great because I feel like even in my own personal experience, the only time I've used like mental health resources here is when I was in significant distress Mm -hmm. instead of being like oh well two months ago I felt this way and I could have like scheduled a counseling appointment for the next week and gone and talked all my anxieties out so instead of just letting it build exactly I was on that wave because I went to therapy here um and then I like have a social worker as well but I decided to like not use that yeah. for right now because I wanted to see how it would work yeah, yeah. if I try on my own no, and see exactly. how things are going. And surprisingly, you know, things are working out right. because I'm just, you know, taking my time. I'm realizing on my own that although many people around me tell me that I stress myself out too much, that I'm like <laughs> constantly just doing this and that, 
I understand that, but uh, like the advice that I give to others, like mm-hmm. you need to focus on yourself and you need to do this and do that, I never follow it. No, exactly. But like now more than ever, <laughs> I'm like following it very slowly, like one step at a time. There's a, a book that we have yeah. for our class that's like one step at a time. So like one step at a time, whether it's little by little, like a minute each day or something, I'm just like focusing on myself and what I want to do. And it's, it's honestly great. But like I said, it doesn't go for everyone because, you know, some people might need that therapy. They might need that, you know, conversation with someone else. Um, but yeah, just, you know, what I do. And I agree completely. I mean, I think I come from a behavior therapy school where I believe therapy is short term. And what mm-hmm. we're doing is building skills. I yeah. often talk to clients. It's about like driver. It's like driver's ed. Like, what do you need to learn to like get to like be mm-hmm. like able to drive? Or like sometimes you need a tune up, but that doesn't mean like that you're not like it is it is building towards doing it on your own i'm not at the camp that everyone yeah. should be in therapy forever <laughs> which i did learn skills from there so that, that was good that's yeah. what helped me you know do this yeah. on my own right. and as someone that wants to just progress his life to do it on my own it, it's like right. a sense of fulfillment it's exactly. like oh my god i can do this you know it's not so hard <laughs> but yeah I don't know if we want to play. Yeah, let's yeah, yeah. jump back to that. Okay. <laughs> I'm hoping, yeah. I'm hoping you'll cut out some of my... Um... <laughs> yeah, we'll cut out my rambling. Yeah, so, like, no, it's fine. Mumbling. So. so as you're talking about other resources on campus, I want to put a shout out to UMBUR Best. U-M-B-U-R-B-E-S-T. You can find them um, on the internet. It's a group of faculty and grad students from this department who are offering, we think of it as sort of our clinic out of the box. So you may have had them come to your classes and do stress management workshops or procrastination workshops. And so you may not. So maybe we need more in the nursing (laughs) department. And so I think of it more from the side of like, yeah, so they can come in if a class is being canceled and they offer different schedules. Wow. so probably, and so if you go on their website, <laughs> there are ways to figure out how to schedule them or figure out what what workshops they're attending. They um, have gone to different sports teams or different kinds of groups on campus. That's awesome. And they offer a wide variety of workshops. That's really cool. Is it the same thing as like the UMB care team? No, the care team is a little different. The, camp, the care team um, involves sort of the dean of students office oh, and okay. different kind of bodies on campus. This is, this is really intended to help sort of just like you were saying, Alex, with people who aren't, who kind of to build the mental health gap on mm-hmm. campus from yeah. individual therapy to sort of what are kind of these other ways we can be addressing mental health sort of outside of the box. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. It's good, to, you know, learning new things yeah. today. <laughs> I just love that we've learned about so many different resources mm-hmm. in this project because now we're just going to use all of them. Yeah, but also share them. I mean, I think yeah. that's why I'm excited about this podcast. Yeah, it's, yeah. that's great. Sorry. I I struggle with the basics. (laughs) All right. Well, thank you so much um, for having us here. And thank you for your insight and expertise on anxiety and treatments for coping. Coping. So you just go with it. You just go with it. We all make this all the time. (laughs) All right, y'all. To those still listening, if you liked what you heard today, stay tuned for our final episode this semester. It's going to be our culture and... Oh my goodness. Do I just give up? (laughs) Our student culture and diversity special episode. It's coming soon. For now, 
This is Alex and Sahara signing off, but not before we remind you to always be mindful of your mental health and practice self-care. Farewell, everyone. Yeah!